You're listening to the Fiber Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 26, published on February 28th, 2023. Can you believe it's been five seasons already? We're at the end of the fourth season, and our next episode will be Season 5. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to John Anderson about speaking in support of legislation. Probably not something everybody's thought about, but maybe something you should consider. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Sit back and relax, because we've got another fun episode this week of the Fireman Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by friends at the FTA, the Fireman Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. And for listening to this podcast, you get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the LSR Classic Trainer. I use the LSR Classic system in my classroom because it allows me to teach first-time gun owners proper side alignment, proper drawing from a holster, and trigger control without stepping on the range, saving me time and the student money by not firing rounds down range. When the student is ready, they know what to do because of the classroom training. LSR Classic is easy to set up and tear down because all you need is a laptop with a webcam to use it. That allows you to set up anywhere you can take your laptop. The application also works with any laser device from laser cartridges you put in your firearm to dedicate laser trainers. LASR is veteran-owned and operated. Find out more information at LASRapp.com and receive a special 10% discount by using discount code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, instructors like you who dedicate time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by John Anderson from Sand Hill Media and Nebraska Firearms Owners Association. Welcome, John, and thanks for taking time to share your knowledge with our audience today. You betcha. Thanks for inviting me along here. No problem. For those who might not know who John Anderson is, can you go along and give us a little bit of your background on what you do in the 2A community? Absolutely. So uh, I'm like a lot of people here in Nebraska. I grew up on uh, on a ranch. And for me, guns were no different than uh, scoop shovels or pitchforks. They were tools that were just part of everyday life. So I've always been around firearms. Um, and of course, they're fun, right? So uh, I've had a, a love of firearms since I was, since I was old enough to, to hold up the, uh, the business end of a BB gun. So uh, I didn't really do a whole lot as far as uh, advocacy or, or activism when it came to my two-way rights until way later in life after I uh, after I decided that I was going to get my concealed handgun permit here in Nebraska. And then I really started paying attention to the political landscape here and I and across the country. And I got pretty steamed up pretty quick. And so after uh, a few a few months or maybe a year of uh, following along and watching various uh, folks talking on YouTube, I decided to uh, start up my own YouTube channel and uh, it used to be called Sand Hills Shooter, which a lot of people might remember that, but it sounded, I thought it sounded nefarious. You know, people would, would mix it up and call me the Sand Hills Shooter, which in my mind kind of lumped me in with like the, the Sandy Creek Shooter or the Virginia Tech Shooter. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want lumped in with any, any animals like that. So I changed the name several years ago now to uh, Sand Hills Media, and it, it's been that ever since. So you can f- find stuff on on Facebook, I run my mouth a lot and post memes that sometimes get me thrown into Facebook jail. But uh, every week we do a, a weekly podcast that usually it's uh, it's 2A or freedom centric. You never know what the topic's going to be. Sometimes I get a wild hair and then we'll do something completely different. So 
Uh, I just try to make it with my show. I, I try to make it different, refreshing, and uh, I try to make people think. Uh, we're not just going to go through and, and recap current events. There's enough of that out there that uh, I would be, you know, just another also ran. So my big thing is I, I want to start people's brains working. I don't believe that there's enough critical thought out there in the world. And, and I'm trying to start more of it. Well, that's great. Uh, really great, which ties right into uh, our topic today. And that is speaking out for legislation because a lot of us, uh, you know, this time, you know, there's big thing about the ATF and their, um, you know, pistol braces, what they've done. We hear a lot going on about assault weapon bans on the federal level, but reality uh, is that most legislation really happens at the local level, state level. And that's where your experience through the Nebraska Firearm Owners Association, I think, is really key to share because you don't have to go along and be a bigwig or a Hollywood star or somebody to get in front of a congressional panel in order to speak. Um, right. you, you just need to have, you know, you got to understand the process. And that's where I'd like you to walk, walk the uh, listeners through and now it would be it's gonna be nebraska but i would venture to say that most of the people that you were contact or how you would do things or it's gonna be the same throughout all the states with just some slight variations but how does the process in nebraska work as far as proposing legislation and then helping to move it through uh all the steps yeah absolutely the uh the process in nebraska is unique just because we're we're the only state in the union that has a, a unicameral uh, legislature. That means we only have one house of legislators. We don't have a, a Senate and a separate state house. Uh, technically, the uh, this this was set up so that the people would be considered the second house. Although I like to say that the people are the first house, and the Senate, the state Senate, is our second house. But uh, that's how it was designed, so that uh, it was also designed to be nonpartisan. Uh, so we don't have uh, a set number of uh, Republican and, and Democrat legislators. Everything is is just uh, nonpartisan on the primary for each district here in the state. And then, of course, um, two, the top two candidates will uh, run off in the general election and, and the top candidate gets the gets the bid to, to go be a, a state senator. Uh, we are typically in Nebraska, uh, a fairly conservative state. Uh, when it comes to laws, especially laws about firearms, we're very, very purple. We're we're not as red as a lot of people think with, that we would be. Um, we've got about 1.8 million uh, citizens here in Nebraska, but just over half of that, right around a million, are in Omaha, uh, greater metro area alone. So, you guys that that have states like you know Illinois, uh, a lot of great stuff happens in Illinois. But the folks in Chicago and Springfield tend to run everything for the, the rural populations, and Nebraska is no different here. So, uh, so what happens here in our state is, of course, somebody has to propose a bill, or excuse me, propose a law, and uh, whether it's uh, just a regular citizen or a, or a lobbyist or the senator uh, himself or herself, they uh, they write the bill and submit the bill, which uh, you know once it's submitted, it it gets a number, and uh, so then you can track that bill. Through the process, the first thing that has to happen is they schedule that bill for a hearing among uh, whichever committee governs over that particular topic. So, for instance, in our state, we uh, were about to go uh, to the hearing for constitutional carry. That's come back up in our state again. And 
Lord willing, we'll become the 26th state in the union to, to pass that. But the way that's going to work is uh, that goes in front of the Judiciary Committee. And if you watch C-SPAN or see any of the clips from uh, uh, people ragging on, uh, you know, Jerry Nadler or Matt Gates or any of those guys, you'll, those are usually committee hearings that you're watching uh, clips from. So it, it's a committee of eight people here in Nebraska. And what happens is the the senator who introduced the bill gets to come in and, and introduce it and, you know, explain to the committee what the bill does, uh, what it doesn't do. And then they uh, they start taking testimonies from anybody, the, the whole general public. Um, there's usually a time limit that's going to be dependent on a lot of different factors. But, uh, you know, it's usually somewhere between, you know, two to three minutes, maybe five or six minutes. Um where uh, you just get to go and and uh, sit or, or stand before the committee, read your testimony. Uh, hopefully, it's got uh, some some pretty compelling ideas in there. And then uh, when you're done, uh, if they want to ask you some questions, then uh, then they'll follow up with some questions. Otherwise, they'll they'll thank you and and you're done. Let the next person uh, in line go to testify. There, there's really not much to it. It can be a little nerve wracking because especially, you know, number one, not everybody is, is used to uh, speaking in public or speaking in front of people and then mm -hmm. compound that, you know, some of us in our minds, we tend to put these lawmakers up on, uh, if not a pedestal, at least, you know, a, a rung or two higher up the ladder than, than normal people. And, and, uh, you know, it, it helps to just remember they're normal people too. They they put their pants on one leg at a time like anybody else does, uh, so it, that that kind of helps, I guess, me with with any nerves I have about speaking in front of, of mm -hmm. people. Um, but uh, people get a chance to testify why they they think the bill should be passed. Other folks will testify why they think it's a bad idea uh, and and why it shouldn't pass. Uh, if there are any uh, any folks, and it's usually. Uh, lobby groups or special interest groups would would testify in a neutral capacity, but that's also given. It's it's often the neutral testimonies or something like, you know, we would uh, oppose this or we would uh, support this if this was this language was changed or this amendment was added or or what have you. So, so after that hearing, then uh, at some point down the road in the future, um, that committee gets together to to have an executive session which is, you know, just a meeting of just them, not, not open to the public, where they vote on whether or not this bill has merit uh, and it should go uh, out to the, the entire governing body to be debated and, and voted upon. So the, the, the committees are there because there, there are thousands upon thousands of bills that get submitted every uh, legislative session. And so the, the whole Senate does not have time to debate every bill that gets submitted. Uh, so the committees are put in place to, to weed out the ones that, uh, that don't either they're either not constitutional or they don't have any merit. They, they don't think they'll uh, uh, have a chance of passing anything like that. And uh, so they vote the ones through to the main, the main chamber to be, to be debated here in Nebraska. If, uh, if the bill gets voted out of the committee, then there are three different uh, floor debates for, for the entire Senate there in the main, uh, the main Senate floor. 
Um, and so that's where the filibusters happen. And the, the people against the bill try to uh, just talk about anything or nothing. Uh, if, if it goes to a, a full length of, of the time of that debate, then it takes more votes to pass the bill. Right now we've got 49 districts, so 49 senators. Uh, a straight-up vote of uh, 25 in favor will pass the, the bill into the next round. If it goes the full length of the filibuster, then we have to have the supermajority of 33 votes. That's where uh, we ran into trouble a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, either way, if if the uh, if the if it gets voted uh, through after the third time, then uh, then it's headed to the governor's desk to to be signed into law. Um, in most states, uh, the bill has to go through both houses. That's not the case here, and so. Uh, we will, uh, like I said, we'll we'll get it through one chamber, and then then the governor gets to choose whether or not he or she signs it. Now, when it comes to writing these bills, he said, you know, if they're not constitutional, they get weeded out right away. Mm -hmm. If I was to, to uh, propose something, do I have to have all that knowledge on how to write the bill, or is there a way, or no. do I get my elected official to help out with the language of the bill? No, but if you want something, um, if you want something to actually become a bill it helps if either you have a, a good working knowledge of the of the topic or you have resources that you can bring in to to help that um the most of the most of the committees and most of the senators have uh legal counsel um right there uh, available to them and so that helps right away um having having lawyers you know right there to help help write mm -hmm. the bill or help draft it Makes a, it makes a big difference. Yeah, because great. You know, I write blog blog articles and different things like that, but I wouldn't necessarily say those are um, would be good for proposing legislation along those lines. So I'd need somebody to proof it, make sure that it makes sense, make sure that we're yeah. taking all the proper steps for them. Well, when, and it, if you've ever read a, a bill, yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's written in lawyer speak, so it's it's uh, you definitely have to be able to to speak and, and write in the, the legal jargon to in circles. Uh, yep. Yeah, exactly. This is legal. Unless it's this, uh, unless it's a third Wednesday, then this is, you know, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when it comes, when it comes to you know, getting on the speaking list, um, do they just open the floor up to letting anybody, you know, who's in the audience stand up and, and speak for it? Or is there a process to, you know, get on the list? Sure. Well, I can only speak to uh, the hearings that I've been part of here in Nebraska. So, again, I don't know how other states do it in in their uh, their houses or their senates, but uh, it it just kind of depends on. Um, well, really, it kind of depends on who you are. Uh, so, for instance, if uh, if Nebraska Firearms Owners Association has a few uh, board members, volunteers, or or other folks that we know. Uh, want to testify and they have some really good stuff that we want to make sure that uh that that gets heard we can ask senator brewer who is the the senator that introduced this constitutional carry bill um to uh to give the chairman a list of uh some folks that, that will testify and usually what happens those people get called on first to make sure that they do get um that they do get uh, a chance to, to give their testimonies before time runs out. But really, I mean, ultimately it's, it's one of the things where um, 
you know, if, if you want to go next, then you stand up and, and go get in the chair and you're next. So, um, it can take a few people. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you want a few to go ahead of you just so you can kind of see how it works and, and get yourself, uh, you know, over your nerves and, and, uh, get the courage to go do it. And other folks like me have no problem talking about anything at any time in any place. So, you know, I'm always ready to go. Yeah. I know in, in Ohio, uh, at least I've seen to where you've got to register ahead of time to okay. be able to, you know, for some larger ones. Now we've got several times more people in Ohio than you do in Nebraska. I mean, in Cincinnati, greater Cincinnati, we have over 3 million people. So you can kind of think that, and we still got Columbus and Cleveland there and um, a lot more of the States. So uh, that makes sense. There might be a, a list there, but again, I guess the bottom line for that would be, you know, work with, work with a, uh, with a politician legislature and make sure that they, you know, know what you, what you want to do. And I'm sure their, their staff and, and themselves will probably help guide you through the process. And, and if you want to speak, or if you want somebody specific to speak for it, they will, um, you know, help you out and let you know what the process is to do that. Yeah, and and I can't stress enough the uh, the importance of building a relationship, not only with the uh, the senator or representative in the district where you live, but if it's a different senator who has introduced the bill that that you want to go testify for or against, uh, especially if it's for, then uh, building a relationship with with that senator who who introduced uh, that bill or or state rep, um, that's invaluable. Because once they get to know you, they know who you are. They trust that what you have to say is is pertinent, it's intelligent, um, and it, it's meaningful. Then you've got a lot better chance of being one of the folks that that gets registered. And I don't know how that process works, but I do know that uh, when it comes time to uh, when it comes time for that senator who's not an expert on all things to reach out for some advice or some insight. Uh, or or just some uh, you know experience and, and anecdotes, you might be one of the people that they reach out to at that point. Uh, you might actually have a bigger hand in uh, informing a bill or passing a law than what you had ever dreamed by not being an elected official. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being you know having you know good arguments, articulate, um, can really help you you know help people on both sides of legislation you know, mm-hmm. go along, uh, for it because, uh, you know, they'll bounce something off you to make, to see what you, you see flaws in it before they propose it and do those type of things. And now that I've said all that, if you, uh, if you really, really feel compelled that you want to go testify and you're not a great public speaker and you're, you're not as smooth as you wish you were, you're not as polished as you wish you were, you should still go do it. Uh, they, they would much rather have somebody who's nervous and uh, maybe uh, says uh or um a lot, but eventually gets out a, a really, really great testimony. The things that come from the heart, those are the things that will also reach the hearts of the committee members that are listening to the testimony. So you don't have to convince the people sitting behind you. You just want to convince the people that are sitting in front of you in that committee that uh, that what you say you know has meaning. Uh, so it it doesn't have to be necessarily super polished. It just has to be your words, not something that you read somewhere or came out of it, you know, a, a canned testimony, mm-hmm. but real. And and they know they they do this for for a living. They they listen to testimonies 
you know, all day long, several days a week. Uh, they can spot the real ones versus the ones that are just spouting some some talking points that they read online or or read in the magazine. So mm-hmm. if if what you have to say is real, that is so much more valuable. So all, if if you if you can get over your nerves, you should show up to the Capitol and and testify. Yeah. Well, talking about that, if you've spoken and things have moved out of uh, committee, how do you go along and, and continue to help push your um, bill and let your other senators know and things like that what your position is? Because obviously, as you said, it goes to the whole whole Senate and Nebraska to the House or whatever in other states. Mm-hmm. How do you go along and help promote it and let them know that, hey, there's a large contingent of people that would like to see them pass you know, this bill or that bill? Sure. And again, that's it's a lot easier here just because of the, the, the smaller number of legislators overall. Uh, and let's back that up even before it's passed out of committee. If you really want to uh, to make your voice heard, you don't only testify that day. Send emails or letters or make phone calls to the uh, the office's of the uh, legislators that make up that committee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now remember that, uh, again, you don't have to be eloquent. You just have to be genuine, but you also, you'll catch more honey with, uh, excuse me, you'll catch more flies with honey than with vinegar as the old saying goes. So yeah, don't be respectful, be <laughs> respectful, uh, you know, and, and just remember that, uh, nothing happens if you make them mad. So, so remember your manners, you know, please. And thank you. Uh, but just ask if they would please vote yes on, you know, bill number, whatever it is, or resolution or, or what it is in your state. So uh, make sure that you know what the number of it is because they can't keep them all straight either. They see several of these every every week. Uh, just make sure that you, uh, you, again, tell them real concisely what you expect, what you want from them and why. So, John, getting legislation work, does that always uh, happen the first time around? You know, I I think sometimes it does happen the first time around, but I'm pretty sure that that's the exception to the rule. Most of the time, it, it takes several efforts to get to get a bill through the legislature and passed into law. I mean, and we see that federally too. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to look at the landscape, especially in one of the states where where there are two legislative bodies, um, plus of course the governor, which is the chief executive. So. Whatever bills get passed out of the uh, the legislature still have to to go to the governor's desk to get signed. So, if you've got uh, some pro gun bills going through and you've got uh, a mostly uh, Democrat uh, House or Senate, the chances of the bill getting through it's got to be a super super well written bill that uh, both sides of the aisle can see the merit. Mm-hmm. And then if if you've got a you know a, a fairly conservative governor, then pro gun laws tend to get or bills tend to get signed into law uh if you've got a, a fairly non-conservative governor then oftentimes that they get vetoed so you know it's a and process and then you got then you got to uh, override the veto which is even tougher right then it's even tougher because again you have to go back to that super majority to to override that um and and so uh so yeah oftentimes you you have to look at the political landscape before you submit the bill now uh in again here in Nebraska, we we typically have a, a majority of uh, fairly conservative, or at least they have an R behind their name. And and if I start talking politics, one of the first things you learn about me is I I don't put much stock in the the R, the D, the L, whatever's behind the name. I care more about their voting record. But uh, 
you know, our, our system here was designed to be nonpartisan. It, uh, I wish that were the case, but the votes still tend to fall pretty well down party lines. Uh, there are a few, again, it's, it's got to be a super well-written bill and a super courageous senator to vote against their party. But uh, every now and then we we do see that because there's there's still integrity in, in the building, which is refreshing to see. Um, so uh, if, if you've got the chances, you know, you, you've got the the right majorities in place, the, the right governor in place, that's the time to strike. Right. That's that's where we, we look federally. We complained when we had both houses and a Republican in the White House and uh, no gun bills got introduced that uh, even we couldn't get anything get passed. Out. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was a wasted opportunity. So. So again, right now, good gun bills do get introduced, like HR 38 in the, the U.S. House. But uh, we, we both know that the chances of that bill going into law until we get a different president are, are slim to none. So, so the same thing in the, in the state level. You may have to, to introduce a, a bill multiple times. Uh, we, uh, we had the same thing happen, like I said, for, for three years in a row now with constitutional carry. The uh, first... The first thing that happened uh, a couple years ago, this will be the, the third year, so two years ago, the same senator introduced a bill that would uh, allow each county in Nebraska to set uh, permitless carry within their county lines. And he had tried for uh, several times in the past to get statewide preemption of, of firearm laws, which we don't have. So, so there are a few places, uh, namely Omaha, that have different laws outside of what the rest of the state of Nebraska has and, and statewide preemption would, would stop that. Um, and that always got shot down in the Senate because they, the, they hid behind um, uh, local control and, and not given control, you know, up to, to big government and state levels. And, and so the, the Senator thought, well, let's make it local control. Then we'll let the locals control whether or not they need a, a carry permit. But uh, unfortunately at the 11th hour, the attorney general said that uh, concealed carry can't be regulated by by the county level. That's a state level issue. So, so that didn't uh, get a chance. And mm -hmm. actually, that bill got gutted, and some other stuff that that uh, didn't come out of committee got put into there. And we passed our first omnibus bill that that were th uh, three two paragraph bills <laughs> got mm -hmm. put into there. So uh, that was kind of fun. Last year was a straight up constitutional carry bill statewide. Uh, didn't pass in the uh, the second of the three the three rounds of the full Senate. We we didn't uh, get the the thirty three votes needed to to uh, overcome the filibuster. So th so that bill died last year. Um, so that's where this year we've got a lot better landscape, both uh, as far as the people sitting in the seats, but also uh, time wise. So mm -hmm. last year things came down to the 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 very last week of the session. We've got number one. Uh, our sessions run for two calendar years. This is the long one. So this session goes into May. Uh, second of all, the priority bills get uh, priority in the Senate. So each Senator gets to pick one bill that is their priority for that session. And uh, so those senators priority bills are also prioritized by the, the committees and, and then by the, um, by the Senate at large, if it, if it comes out of committee. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so and and the priority bills are supposed to come out of committee um, anyway. So it, it's if everything works the way it's supposed to, 
we should uh, we should not be coming up against the the last week of the session before uh, before they go home for the summer. That'd be good. And I think yeah. one of the big things that um, I think you've, we've overlooked a little bit in our discussion, it's also very important from a, on the state level to go along and join your state firearm association, you know, the Nebraska firearm owners association that you're part of, you know, that's, uh, you know, we can testify individually, but it also looks a lot better when we've got, you know, thousands of members of an organization that can speak out for us on different things and also look out for other bills that are being introduced to speak speak out against them and do those types of things. And whether it's in Ohio, we've got Buckeye Firearms, Nebraska, you got mm-hmm. Nebraska, you know, there's every state has their own as well as the federal or the national organizations. But mm-hmm join them realize that they're the ones that uh can really help you out if you need um assistance as well as you can also do it alone if you you know are so moved to go along contact your your politician and get your get get the bill drafted and and push it through committee and things like that a lot harder but you know many hands make easy lifting and that's where joining a statewide organization can definitely help out not only that but uh once you're plugged into um plugged into your state or even local uh, organizations you know there's so many people um don't know what bills have been introduced or or where they are in the process in the legislature but uh, your state level gun groups are are definitely going to know where any any gun bills are in your state legislature and so uh, if you uh if you follow them if they have a newsletter or emails uh social media pages things like that then uh, you can stay up to speed. And for instance, uh, you know, when as we're uh, recording this, it's we're two days away from our committee hearing for constitutional carry here in Nebraska. Uh, so, uh, Lord willing, and the snow doesn't uh, drift over the highways, I'll be in Lincoln uh, that day to to testify myself. Um, so, uh, we're trying as an organization, Nebraska Firearms Owners Association, or NFOA, as as my hat says. Um, we, uh, we're doing everything in our power to spread the word and, and reach as many, uh, as many Nebraskans as we can to, uh, to just come to, to Lincoln, come to the Capitol and, and be present. And that's something else that, uh, maybe I, I overlooked saying earlier, but if, if you want to show your support for a bill, you don't have to speak. You, you can show up and number one, just, uh, just being there. If, if you have, you know, uh, a few hundred or, or, you know, heck, a few thousand people show up uh, in your state capitol just in support uh, or in opposition of a specific bill, then uh, then that speaks volumes. And I uh, I'm assuming that most legislatures are, are like this. But in in mine, uh, even if you're not going to speak, you can uh, if if space permits, you can go into the committee room and just sit and listen to testimonies in there. If if uh, uh, again, if there's not a line of people around the, the corner of the hallway waiting to get in, and if that's the case, they ask if you're not going to testify, you know, please, please abdicate your seat. But uh, even at that, you can walk into the committee room, you can sign in because when you when you go in there, you need to sign in um, and then you can mark that you are in favor of the bill or opposed to the bill or neutral. So even just coming in, filling out the uh, form, signing in as in favor of the bill, and then walk right back out. You don't have to say a word to anybody, but you get to be counted 
as a, a proponent of that bill. So uh, that also speaks volumes when uh, the numbers are super lopsided. You know, we we had uh, 500 people show up and uh, in favor of this bill, and we had you know less than 50 show up in opposition. Well, clearly Nebraska really does care about this and, and really does want this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's that's a huge thing. A couple of years ago, we had about 400 people show up in the Capitol to protest a, a bill that would uh, infringe more upon our rights as firearm owners. Um, and uh, that was the way that they knew the number was the people that had signed in. It's There were more people than that in the hallways. They, they had no way to count them. Um, but, uh, it made the news. I mean, it's, it's a big deal when uh, a bill draws that many people to, uh, to either stand in favor of it or stand opposed to it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where, you know, the other thing is if there's a bill that you're not going to speak on, at least be present to show your support, you know, make sure you reach out to, uh, your, you know, legislators because, mm-hmm. you know, they represent you. So they should hear from you on what they need to do. So, I sure. really, really appreciate your time, John, uh, today. Yeah. Um, g- gave us a little bit of insight. Now, each state's going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the most part, it's not impossible to, to make this happen. And I sure hope uh, come this Thursday, you are successful in uh, moving permitless carry, constitutional carry in Nebraska on to the next step. And maybe, uh, you know, what, by March or so, you could become the 26th state for constitutional carry? It would be... Uh... It wouldn't take it wouldn't take effect that fast, but uh, there. I mean, if if everything goes smoothly, um, there is a chance that it could hit the governor's desk by the end of March. Then cool. it would be ninety days before it takes effect. But you know, we'd be looking June or July. We we could feasibly we could feasibly be uh, be permitless here in Nebraska. That'd be pretty cool. That would be good. Well, hey, John, we've been asking all our guests this year to recommend an event that you think instructors should ch- uh, check out to improve improve themselves, self-improvement type of thing. You got any recommendation for it? You know, I'm going to recommend an event that I myself have never attended, um, but uh, but I've seen lots of lots of posts, lots of videos and and heard lots of uh, lots of stories from folks that have. I know that USCCA has. Uh, an annual um, expo every year. If you're a USCCA member, then it's free to attend. If if not, then then you have to pay your way in. But as an instructor, even if you're not certified through USCCA, there are so many great uh, workshops. There are so many great uh, workshops or seminars that are offered during that uh, during that expo. Uh, and of course, the the vendor booths that are that are there. Uh, it's uh, it reminds me a lot of the the stories and pictures i've seen of uh of the the nra annual meeting it's just not on such a large scale but uh you know if if you are an instructor and and you are plum happy you know with with who you are right now and and where your certifications come from that doesn't mean you shouldn't go check it out yeah so i would i would say uh, and it of course it moves uh, from town to town uh across the country every year but uh, but go go check out the uscca uh expo yeah and i've been i've been there several times myself um, it's down to Fort Worth this year, which is a little mm-hmm. bit of a drive for me, but um, it's focused on self-defense. So you go there and you see, you know, pistols, you see mace, you see taser uh, along the, the, you know, the discussions, the seminars you can go to, or, you know, women's, you know, self-defense, how to go along and, you know, defend yourself, you know, during a mass shooting, how to go along and, 
and do trauma medicine, all those kind of topics, but it's a lot more compact. And I'd say it's probably a fifth of the size of the NRA meeting, but you can also walk it in a couple hours where the NRA takes you literally a day and a half to walk the entire floor. If you're going to walk past every booth, uh, been to both of them and, uh, USCCA is definitely a lot more targeted to an audience versus the NRA that if it goes bang, it's at the NRA show. So you've got anything and everything there. Well, John, can I, uh, can I throw out one more answer to that question too, just on a local mm-hmm. level, uh, go to gun shows, go to your local gun shows, keep the attendance up. And, uh, especially if you live in a state where the, uh, the County, the city or, or the state is trying to shut them down, then, uh, make sure that, uh, that you're showing your support for, for a gun show. It's not a, go- a place to go get around, uh, background checks or anything like that. It's, it's just a place where like-minded individuals can get together and celebrate freedom and, and make that public. So, uh, there, there's so much more than just buying and selling guns across the table. And just a little tip, if you're an instructor, you can also go to the gun show and, you know, you go there a couple of times and you talk to people, you can also go along, potentially have a booth or, or a room there where you can do some educational pieces of it. Now you might go along and think about, you know, I don't have enough time to do a full concealed carry class there. That might be right. But what about just doing a gun safety seminar once an hour? Mm-hmm. And if you've got three or four people that sit there and they take your, your gun safety seminar, you might be helping those people for the first time ever knowing what gun safety is. And of course, if they like what you do, they very likely come back for your concealed carry, your advanced classes to those types of things. Um, I do that mm-hmm. um, once a year with a gun show here in Ohio. And um, again, it's, you know, completely voluntary. I don't make any money from, from that, uh, the classes I teach, but at the same time, I do get my name out there in the public and at some point getting, getting your name recognized out there in the public is an important thing for instructors to continue growing your business. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to take that one to heart myself. Mm-hmm. And then you get free, uh, free admission too. How's that for, <laughs> for at least a little bit of payback, John, where can that people helps. find out about, about you, the Nebraska Firearm Owners Association and what you're, what you're uh, teaching and doing with Sandhill media. Sure. So, uh, as far as as the Sandhills Media stuff, you can find me on on uh, YouTube or Facebook or Twitter under Sandhills Media. Uh, again, if you want to see some uh, some funny memes that often get me thrown into Facebook jail, that's the place to go over on the Facebook page. the uh, The training side is Sandhills Defense LLC, which you can also follow right now on uh, just on Facebook or go to sandhillsdefense.com. Um, but there's a link on the web page to, to get to the classes that I offer. I'm in Northeast Nebraska, but uh, I like to joke, uh, I have class, I will travel. So uh, there's there's no distance too far if you're willing to uh, help get me to where you are and you've got enough uh, people willing to take a class. And of course, uh, if if live fire is involved, a safe place to shoot as well, then, uh, then we'll make it happen. Uh, as far as what uh, NFOA is doing, you can uh, you can go be a member if you live in Nebraska. You can be a full member with voting privileges on the board. I am a, a board member. Uh, if you are outside Nebraska, you can still sign up as a an associate member. You just don't get to vote for the board or, or any of the decisions. Membership is free, no matter who you are. We don't uh, collect any membership dues. We're a hundred percent volunteer run. Uh, we don't even have a building. We're just a group of people that are trying to make things better here in Nebraska. So the website is nebraskafirearms.org. 
You can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter uh, and YouTube there as well under Nebraska Firearms Owners Association. Uh, if you would, uh, if you'd like to get our emails, then uh, right now we're in the process of overhauling our website so the automatic opt-in feature doesn't work when you sign up to be a member. So if you want to get the emails from NFOA, just send us uh, an email yourself. Send it to info at nebraskafirearms.org and just ask to be added to the email list and, and we'll get that done so that you can see what uh, what we're doing and hopefully very soon get an email uh, bragging that uh, that we got LB77 passed. That would be that would be really good. Ohio and was the more uh, than good here. Ohio was the 24th, Indiana was the 25th, and it would be great to uh, be able to have Nebraska be the uh, 26th. It's uh, as as I've said in the uh, previous podcast, we really looked at who it, uh, permitless carry benefits. It's um, good people are going to be good, bad people are going to be bad, and you know. As much as you or I will promote training, you know, till you know, with our last breath, we also realize that there is a God-given right for people to be able to exercise self-defense, and that's you know one of the things that you got you have to recognize when you have permitless carry is people have a self-defense even if they don't have a card punch to say, hey, I've you know gone through this or gone through that. Absolutely right, and, and as a whole, people are responsible. Uh, we we don't see just story after story of negligent discharges or or uh, injuries due to firearms being mishandled. Those are very very rare, and that's even without any training. So the more training you get, the more responsible you become. In Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, have not heard of any uh, permitless carry issues in the last uh, six months in Ohio and Indiana, and for the last two years in Kentucky. So that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of those things to kind of keep in mind that, uh, you know, there's not going to be blood in the streets. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where good people are going to be good. So, in fact, it wasn't that long ago in Indiana that uh, a permitless carrier saved a lot of lives. Yep. Elijah Dickinson. Yep. Over there in Greenwood Mall. So very good. Well, John, you have a great time. Got my fingers crossed for you. And uh, thanks for your time today. Thank you very much for inviting me, Rob. No problem. Well, that's a wrap for this episode, last episode of season four. And I really hope you'll share it with your friends. Hopefully you'll share the entire season four and the previous episodes with your friends and educate them a little bit more about their gun rights and about uh, education when it comes to firearms in general. And if you've got a topic, if you'd like to talk to me on the show, if you'd like to go along and uh, suggest somebody, I'm always got an ear open for interesting topics for our show feel free to email me, ftp at concealedcarry.com. If you can't email me, think about going to our Facebook page or our website. Leave us comments there. Also on our website, you can go along, listen to previous episodes. You can also search our archives on various topics from marketing to social media to training to women's classes, as well as going along breaking into minority communities. So all great topics out there. I also want to ask you to leave us a review out there on the podcast, Google Play, iTunes, wherever you listen to us at. Those ratings help us and help those that are looking for educational material to know our podcast is worthwhile. also want to ask you to visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association, ftaprotect.com, and check out their instructor insurance. Establishing your business was your first step. Your next step should be getting insurance, and that insurance should be Firearm Trainers Association. 
Remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring this podcast support to the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor like you in America that dedicates time and energy to making gun owners more knowledgeable. Thank you for listening, and our next episode will be Season 5. So stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.